Colleagues, welcome back to the office. It's Steve and welcome to the CPE Today podcast. We're going to get started with our podcast presentation here just in a moment. But before we do, I'd like to share some insight on how you can receive credit for watching today's presentation. There are two options. You can either watch live as it's being recorded through Zoom, more on that here in a moment, or you could be watching or listening on demand wherever you happen to receive content. We distribute our show through YouTube, SoundCloud, Facebook, our website, and many other places. Now, if you happen to be watching on demand on your own schedule, after watching or listening to today's class, head on over to cpetoday.com and locate today's course page. Uh, you can find our course code by looking at the footer of the presentation to see the link presented there. And it will also be mentioned throughout the presentation on multiple occasions. After com purchasing today's class, you'll complete a short five question quiz on what was discussed in today's presentation. And upon passing that your certificate for your CPE credits will be automatically generated and available for download. In addition to your purchase, you can also download copies of today's presentation, learning materials. You can ask the presenter questions and more. Now, if you happen to be watching live as it's being recorded through Zoom, your attendance will be confirmed through attendance prompts, which will occur every 12 to 20 minutes and approximately four per hour. They'll pop up automatically. And when a prompt comes up, please choose a response to confirm your attendance. It doesn't actually matter what you choose as long as you choose something as your response will confirm your engagement with our presentation. Attendance prompts might not be announced, so please keep an eye out for them. Now, as long as you've com uh, completed at least 75% of the attendance prompts, you will receive full credit for our presentation. Your completion certificate will be delivered to you by email within two business days of the event. You can always visit cpetoday.com if you have any questions or issues with your certificate. After our presentation today, we'd love to know what you think. Uh, there will be a course evaluation that will automatically pop up. It should take you anywhere from one to three minutes to complete, and your feedback will be used to help us produce better content in the future. Now, if you have any questions or comments throughout the presentation, we'd love to know what they are. Please use the chat or the Q&A functionality to let us know what you think, or if you have any questions on the materials that are being presented. Also, please feel free to share your experience, knowledge, and insight with the class. If you have any technical issues, you can also use that functionality to ask for help. You can always find great content at cpetoday.com. We have a variety of self-study and live courses from all topics, accounting, audit, personal development, Excel, QuickBooks, and more, you name it. Check out cpetoday.com. And the CPE Today podcast is made available Tuesdays and Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific. And you can always find great content being discussed in that podcast every single week. If you happen to be a new user, listener, viewer of the CPE Today podcast, thank you so much for coming. Welcome. We're ecstatic and happy to have you. How about you get a free credit on us? Use coupon code ONEFREEPODCAST at checkout to get a free credit for today's class. We're going to go ahead and get started with our presentation here in the podcast today. Thank you so much for being here and enjoy our presentation. Okay, a couple other things as long as we're on this screen. Okay, over here. If you're on an actual bank bead screen in QBO, you'll see a little uh, institution icon. This will actually show you if you hover over it and you've changed the name. Um, you know, it doesn't say checking, you know, like, and you're not sure what checking account it's actually hooked up to. This will show you what financial institution it is with. 
okay? And if at any point you need to change the login information, you can click that little pencil icon. This is gonna be where you can click edit sign in information. Again, this is a trial account, um, so we can't actually do it, but um, this is gonna be where you can go ahead and modify that login information. Occasionally, occasionally, um, you'll get a note here saying your bank is requesting you to change your password, your password's expired. That happens. I use Citibank primarily. Happens about every eight months or so. You know, I need to go to Citibank, reset my password because that's how long their passwords last. And uh, then I'll come over here, click that little pencil icon and, and update my sign-in information. Okay. You also have this other screen over here, app transactions. And this is going to be where you can download transactions from other third parties. Uh, so like Amazon Business, Square, eBay. I'm kind of curious if our jobber is listed here. Yep, it is. Okay. So this would be where, for example, we could download transactions. These are not bank fee transactions, but they're transactions, in this case, coming from that application. Uh, and I've got other apps that I've used, as I mentioned, CorePay. Okay, CorePay One, that's in here as well. Uh, other stuff, you know, these third-party apps, these are going to be where you can go ahead and download those transactions from them. Okay. All righty. So bank feeds, use them. They're fantastic. Uh, one last thing I'll mention, and this is a relatively new thing with respect to QuickBooks Online, with respect to bank feeds. If you come on over here to the little gear icon and from the gear icon, you select under tools, reconcile. Okay, so like you're gonna go wreck your books. Okay, I can't show this to you, but I can explain it. Um, so you go to reconcile your books uh, one of the really cool things that QuickBooks Online will do for you now is it'll actually pull down the bank statement directly from the bank in the reconciliation screen through the bank feed. Uh, so for myself, uh, when I go to rec the books, uh, I can pair up like July to the July actual bank statement, and it'll actually store it for you. Uh, if you come over here to history by account, you'll actually see the history of these different transactions. And let me just do a quick reconciliation here. So let me just take this to this, okay, and I know this is wrong, but here we go, okay. Okay, so when you're in an actual reconciliation and you come over here to history by account, if you click down here, actually, sorry, right here, you see where it says attach? You can actually upload the, uh, the uh, bank statement, you can actually match up the bank statement with the um, with the uh, uh, reconciliation report. So you can actually store the bank statement with this. And if you're using the uh, QuickBooks Online, you've got your bank matched up, it'll actually pull down the uh, statement for you automatically, uh, which is kind of cool. So I can actually go history by account and I can actually see those prior um, prior statements. Now, at any point, if you've screwed up a reconciliation, you can always, uh, you can always um, reverse it. So, you know, that is always an option. And I'm wondering if this is just because this is a sample file. There's an option over here that says reverse statements. And uh, for whatever reason, we're not, see I'm not seeing that here. So I'm thinking maybe that's just a, because we are in the, oh, hold on, my statement. Yeah, usually there's an option over here that says like reverse uh, bank reconciliation, but I have, a, I have a pretty good feeling we're not seeing that because we are in a uh, sample file. Alrighty.
And by the way, I'll tell you with respect to the sample files, I love these things. I use them all the time, even for my own business, not to like necessarily put transactions in, but like, don't like screw around with your company file, like trying features or things like go to a sample file, go to the test drive for QBO, do your experimentation on here. And then, you know, once you figured out how something works, then apply it to your QuickBooks file. With QBO, I'll point out a lot of things can't be on, can't be deleted. They could be hidden. It's what we call logical delete. But like when you delete a transaction, it's not really gone. Or if you create a customer and you no longer need that customer. So let's just say over here for our Amazon invoice, I don't really need this customer. You'll, you'll see there's no remove. It just gives us the option here of just basically make it active. Uh, so it doesn't actually delete stuff. So it's always best to do your learning on a sample file rather than on your actual real uh, QuickBooks file itself. Alrighty, let's go ahead and take a look at one more feature and then we're gonna go ahead and take a break. And let's take a look at viewing the underlying uh, entries inside of our accounting system. So you can kind of get a sense of what the accounting looks like. So let's click back over here to our desktop file. And from our application, let's go ahead and go take a look at an invoice. All right, and so here's a, just a sample invoice here, kind of a beefy one. It's got a lot of stuff that's on it. And let's say we wanted to view some of the underlying uh, debit and credit entry so we can see how it's applying to the actual um, system. And knowing this then, you know, kind of gives us a better perspective of how this transaction is going to look on the financial statement. And so uh, alternatively, let's say you're an auditor and you want to see kind of, again, how these, these entries are related to this specific transaction. So that, again, you can get a sense for your audit, uh, audit work. Okay. Now QuickBooks provides a couple of different methods that you can choose to use this. You have what's called the uh, transaction journal. And then you can also use the uh, keyboard shortcut control Y. And what the, uh, both of them will ultimately bring up your transaction journal and it will show you how that particular underlying transaction is applied, okay? So if we use the shortcut control Y here, this is gonna go ahead and pop up and we can see the actual debit and credit entries related to this specific account. And so uh, we can see it's actually, you know, this is a pretty big invoice here. So we can see, you know, the appropriate uh, debit entries to the expense accounts, you know, so if we're taking things out of inventory or, uh, um, you know, stuff that we have to purchase, you know, or, and then we can see the appropriate revenue entries being credited as well. Okay, so that's that transaction journal. Now in QuickBooks Online, we'll come up here, new invoice, All right, let's just pull this one up. Okay, you got a couple things that you can ultimately do here in QuickBooks Online. This is gonna be done out of the More menu. And from that More menu, you're gonna go ahead and salute, choose uh, either the Transaction Journal or the uh, Audit History. So the Transaction Journal looks exactly like the one we just looked at. This allows us to see the debit and credits appropriate to this particular invoice. Okay, so we can see those particular items. And also, and you can do this in desktop as well. The other option I was showing you is, the other option is the um, audit history. Uh, and this um, isn't necessarily the, uh, like the accounting of this, although it will show you the accounting of it. 
Uh, but what's kind of cool about this, this will show you the history of this particular transaction. So um, if the transaction changed, if it was edited, if it was uh, deleted or voided, uh, everything inside of QBO, that history is going to be here. And we can actually see this invoice changing over time. I would say with respect to invoices changing, you know, especially before they're they're sent. I mean, that's fairly normal. Um, the thing that I actually look at with respect to the uh, audit history here, for me, that's a little bit bigger of a red flag are going to be checks. You know, anytime a check changes, it's going to be something I'm going to want to look at and, and, and know because, you know, for the most part, checks shouldn't change and especially they shouldn't change once they've been printed. Uh, but, you know, if you want to go look at the underlying history of that particular transaction, uh, you can go ahead and do so. Okay, so let's go into our next section here, journal entries. Uh, for myself, I personally like using journal entries a lot. And um, even though I'm a software developer and even though I can build solutions, I can automatically push and pull data directly to and from QuickBooks, uh, I would tell you that generally I avoid it. Um, I like to actually fairly keep my accounting system simple. Uh, I don't like a lot of complexity in the accounting system. And uh, I generally prefer, like if there's like a sales system, a point of sale, an ERP application, I prefer the complexity of like sales transactions, inventory transactions, and more uh, to be and reside into those systems rather than in QuickBooks. Um, mostly just because I, th I personally find that easier to work with. And so like for my uh, system, like, you know, in, in my QuickBooks, um, if you were to go and look at, for example, like our books, you know, you're not going to see a tremendous amount of complexity in like the products um, or the inventory transactions, all of that stuff is being maintained in these other systems. And I personally prefer to bring in a lot of that stuff by journal entry. Uh, why? It's easy. It's straightforward. It's, it's transparent. Uh, if there's something that's wrong, it's easy to change. Uh, QuickBooks uses it as a foundation, really kind of every, for every type of transaction, ultimately is some sort of journal entry inside of the general ledger. Okay. Now, however, there are, um, a couple of instances when you are not going to want to use journal entries because QuickBooks just isn't going to handle it well for one reason or the other, it's just not going to particularly handle it well. And, um, and frankly, they're for pretty obvious uh, reasons. And it's when QuickBooks, for example, has overriding functionality uh, for a particular feature, and you're supposed to use that overriding functionality rather than a journal entry to manage it. Uh, so let's say, for example, you are working with your employees and you need to do, for example, some edits or modifications to paychecks. Uh, well, you know, QuickBooks desktop as well as online, um, has significant payroll functionality inside of it. And this has tax implications. It has tax form implications, filing implications. Okay. You're not supposed to <coughs> use, for example, a journal entry to modify your, your payroll data here or your tax data. Uh, instead, for example, what you're supposed to end up doing is, is to go into your uh, payroll. And what you're supposed to end up doing here is inside of this is to use, for example, you adjust your payroll liabilities, okay? This is like a journal entry, but it's running through a set of uh, business logic that's gonna ensure that whatever transaction you're doing isn't gonna screw up related uh, payroll entries and, and the appropriate forms. Another good example of this is inventory, okay? You might wanna do an inventory adjustment through journal entry. Well, uh, that's gonna screw up things inside of QuickBooks. Instead of using, um, 
a journal entry to adjust your inventory and directly doubted and crediting those appropriate accounts, you're going to come up here to inventory and you're going to choose adjust inventory value on hand as an example here uh, to be able to do your inventory adjustments and it's going to do the appropriate transactions for you. So there are a couple, a handful of things that you should know with respect to your uh, QuickBooks where frankly avoid doing journal entries. Okay. Uh, anything involving inventory, do not do those through journal entries. You're going to want to uh, use the native functionality provided by uh, QuickBooks to adjust and manage those inventory levels. Okay. And some of those you could set at the actual inventory piece. So like if we came in here and let's say like our cabinets or our brass hinges, uh, you could make some of those modifications in the actual inventory uh, setup itself. And you can also make some of those transactions from the inventory menu and then choosing uh, this adjust quantity value on hand. Uh, and then there's also the uh, opportunity to do your inventory adjustments uh, where you can adjust that and it'll do the appropriate transactions. Okay. Uh, payroll, absolute no-go. And for me, this is actually why I don't like doing payroll inside of QuickBooks. Um, I personally strongly advise against it. Um, frankly, it's a, not a really good application to begin with, but I have had so many issues over the years with clients uh, that have absolutely just screwed up their payroll through QuickBooks and to the point that it's almost impossible to recover through, you know, their incorrect transactions and, and yeah, it just makes it really, really difficult. And, and so frankly, like when it comes to payroll, I always use a third party. Um, Intuit's payrolls really, frankly, not that great. It's expensive. Um, and I don't like how it just absolutely can hamstring you when it comes to doing adjustments, avoid using the payroll stuff. In my opinion, you're always going to be better off using a third party servicer. And uh, frankly, it's just going to, uh, give you the ability to be able to bring those, uh, journal entries directly in. Um, and then you could ease more easily adjust those. Uh, one such thing that I've really enjoyed over the last couple of years that I've actually switched my business over is what's called a PEO, a professional employer environment, or sorry, professional employer organization. And uh, it's basically kind of an all-in-one um, with respect to payroll, HR, benefit, healthcare, the whole nine yards. This is the company we use and it integrates with QuickBooks. You can pull these transactions down directly to QuickBooks. It pulls down in beautiful, easy journal entries. And what's really kind of cool here with respect to these, um, these providers uh, a PEO anyways, and this is kind of what separates them from a general payroll company is that you can hire in all 50 States. Uh, so for our company, you know, we have people in California, Oregon, uh, Colorado, Pennsylvania, Florida. Um, we've got people in multiple States and traditionally to be able to do that, you've had to hire, uh, or not hire, but incorporate, get workers comp and all these different areas. And it's a big pain in the neck with a PEO, they're incorporated in all 50 States. They technically are the employer of record for your staff. And, um, um, you know, if you look on the paychecks, for example, it says just works instead of like my company, Devmatics. And, uh, it, what's nice about this is they take care of all the payroll compliance in all these different places. And when it comes to QuickBooks, you know, I don't have just super complex, uh, payroll. I, I mean, it just comes in as simple journal entries and it's very easy to be able to manage it. But if you're using um, into a payroll, do not use journal entries as it relates to payroll because it, it A, won't let you do it and B, it's just going to cause issues. Likewise, sales tax, uh, doing any sort of uh, anything relating to sales tax liabilities, I've also found that to be quite, uh, uh, quite cumbersome. 
Okay. Uh, the only other particular gotcha with respect to journal entries as it relates to desktop is when you're, for example, doing journal entries that apply to customers. So if we come on over here to our journal entries section and we were doing a journal entry, for example, to edit AR and to debit and make adjustments to AR, one of the only things that I found here is that you can only list one customer at a time with respect to those journal entries, okay? And so that journal entry, like we were adjusting an AR balance and we have five customers we need to, to adjust that AR balance, we have to do five journal entries, one for every customer, because you can't have multiple names in a uh, journal entry in desktop. However, in QuickBooks Online, when you do that exact same entry, you can't. Uh, so if you were to do adjustments for AR or AP on here, what you can have a journal entry that would apply to, uh, that can apply to multiple people concurrently. So picking back up here, kind of understanding some of the differences between QuickBooks Desktop and some of the other counterparts is first, you really just need to know the market and some of the different products that are out there. And really in the accounting space, um, there are three different segments. There's entry micro business, there's our mid market, and then there's our enterprise market. And uh, in really for all intents and purposes here, um, all of the Intuit products, they're all entry level products. Um, QuickBooks Desktop, QuickBooks Online, QuickBooks Enterprise, they're all entry level products. QuickBooks Enterprise is not an enterprise product by any stretch of the imagination. It's not a mid-market product. QuickBooks Enterprise is just a fancier version of the desktop product with a couple of extra uh, features, and that's about it. Um, it's got a more advanced inventory system. It's got more advanced user management and control. Those are pretty much it with respect to some of the differences between desktop and uh, enterprise. It doesn't, uh, it does allow you to have multiple more users that are utilizing the solution, but it doesn't allow for any more complexity in the accounting system than, um, than the premier version. And, uh, the biggest reason I think why people choose the enterprise version again, is probably the inventory, the additional user rights and controls that go along with it. And, uh, previously it was how it was licensed too. Um, but now, you know, with Intuit's change where every application desktop and, um, and online now all being perpetually licensed, I'm sorry, not perpetually, but subscription-based licensing. From my mind, there's really not a, a licensing consideration between, between them. Um, I really don't see a major distinguishing factor between them. You know, we're, why this is why you would want to go to enterprise. I would tell you that if you really needed a mid-market product, go to a mid-market product. Intuit's uh, enterprise is not a mid-market product. It doesn't offer any higher level of complexity than you're going to get with desktop. So um, if you were kind of wanting to go up here, I would tell you a great mid-market product to consider would be probably Acumatica, would probably be my, my, my top choice. Uh, and then certainly open systems, uh, or Epic core, any of those would probably be a better choice than that, but it's, it's a marketing term from Intuit's perspective, but it's not really a, uh, a true, what we would call enterprise level product. And if you can run your business on pro, um, 99 times out of a hundred, it's going to be the exact same experience on enterprise again, unless you need that more complex inventory, but really there's not that much more there than compared to it's, uh, it's, uh, premier part. With respect to online, I know you say that you've got a lot of your, your customers um, and clients have switched from online back to the desktop. I, I get it. I mean, there's still a fair amount of pushback with respect from especially financial professionals that have clients on online that would prefer their clients to be on desktop. 
you know, frankly, the way I describe it, I mean, you pick the right tool for the job, you know? And so sometimes, you know, desktop's going to be a better fit, especially if they've got things like point of sale, they've got a more complex accounting setup. Um, but I'm going to say for a lot of different businesses, online is a perfectly fine solution. Um, and, you know, the online capabilities, the backup, the security, the bank feeds, I think, frankly, for not necessarily the professional, although I'll point out with QuickBooks Online Accountants, QBOA, it's gotten a lot better. But uh, from a, a client's perspective, desktop is a, is a more cumbersome and difficult product. Online, as I like to call it, it's a more thoughtful reconsideration with what an accounting system can and should be for the accountant. And it is definitely more client-centric than the desktop version. Okay. So in summary, when would you go from enterprise to from desktop to enterprise? If you needed additional multi-level access, so multiple more users being able to utilize the accounting system uh, with higher control over the access rights. Um, that's when you would want to make that transition. You want to leverage some of the more complex inventory. That would be another reason you would want to consider it. It used to be licensing. The licensing thing, frankly, has gone away now. You know, um, So I really don't view there being really advantageous licensing. If your client truly needs an enterprise-level product, though, uh, I would strongly encourage you to transition them to a more enterprise uh, accounting system. Microsoft Dynamics 365, Acumatica, uh, NetSuite, uh, any of those are going to be a more premium solution. Please let me know if that answers your question. Alrighty. So let's go ahead and continue our discussion here. And we're going to go ahead and go back and continue our review and work with respect to understanding some of the uh, major features and functions and quick wins with respect to uh, QBO and QBD. Uh, one of the things I wanna point out, and this is gonna come from the uh, accountant's edition of desktop uh, that you can choose to use, is this thing called uh, the client data review. And uh, it's also available in the enterprise, but you have to be set up as what's called a external accountant user. And so with respect to this, what this gives you the ability to be able to do is to be able to review uh, the client records um, in kind of like a summary view overview. Uh, it gives you the ability to be able to compare prior balances and opening balances, inspect changes, identify other types of preference uh, and other modifications to the company file, make notes, uh, make notes and more. Um, so it is something that you need to be running either the accountant's edition of QuickBooks desktop uh, either the enterprise or the, the premier version, uh, or you need to be logged in as that external user. And so if you wanted to be able to trigger it from the existing uh, file and you're not having, like you don't have, for example, the uh, the um, accountant's edition for this, what you would do is you'd come on over here into your company settings and you would go ahead and you would select and create a new user. Okay, and you would want to give that user the role of that external accountant. Okay, so let me see if I can go ahead and give myself the role. There we go. Okay, okay. And let me see if I can go ahead and switch my, let me go ahead and switch. This is a, um, sample file, so it might wig out on us here. 
Let's see if we can do this. There we go. Okay. You know, since they added, um, I, I think we all know this at this point for, I think it was either 2022 or 2023 going forward. They've added all these subscription things related to the application and it works a lot different now uh, with respect to the licensing. And it can be very, very cumbersome at times to be able to get into this. Ugh. Here we go. All right. So let's go take a look at that external data review and hopefully it'll pop up for us here or that client data review. Yeah, it is not coming up as an option. So unfortunately I can't show you even though I am in that role. In theory, uh, it would pop up and this would be something where you would see the, uh, let me give you an example of what it lo does look like. And so it'll give you essentially this different tasks that you can choose to use. And with those different tasks, uh, it'll show you the status of those particular tasks. You can take notes, you can export those notes with respect to, you know, your compilation or review procedures, um, and then mark it off. And you can also set with this, you know, for example, the review period, uh, this, I've, I've found this tool to always be kind of useful again for like compilation or review work, um, you know, and it's a way to kind of create some additional, um, work papers as you kind of go along at the bottom of the screen, there's an option for where you can print it, or you can save it as that PDF and, uh, and then be able to, um, you know, kind of export that copy to be able to, uh, you know, again, kind of keep those work papers as you go. So that is what that screen looks like. And again, I'm sorry. Um, sometimes the application just fights you. So, all right. So that is the client data review. And uh, if you're running the accountants edition, that is what would look like when it would pop up for you. In this next section, what I want to show you is QBOA. Okay. And give me one second here. With QBOA, this is an accountant's edition for the QuickBooks, QuickBooks Online Accountant's Edition. And it's the accountant's uh, specific edition for um, QuickBooks Online. QBOA is a special program that is put out by Intuit and it's intended for financial professionals. And it's a couple of different things here. It is a, uh, a program that will provide uh, a collection of training, uh, software licensing, enhanced functionality, and more. Uh, it's a free program that is put out by Intuit. And with this, uh, with this program, what you can do is that uh, you can sign up for free. And then once you're actually in the program, uh, you'll actually get a free license of QBO. Uh, you get a free license of QBO Advanced. And it also gives you a whole bunch of accountant centric features and functions that are really kind of useful and effective for you to, uh, to know and use. Um, so like it gives you the ability, for example, to be able to access, um, multiple accounts at the same time. So you can have your clients mapped in and then you can access their, their QuickBooks. Um, you can map in, uh, for example, uh, all the different people that you work with. And, and then instead of having to use like an accountant's transfer copy file, uh, you log into your QBOA account. And then from that QBOA account, you can quickly and easily and in one click be able to access um, their um, QBO deployment. So I've always found that that like that one reason of utilizing QBOA alone kind of is a useful program with respect to um, with respect to accountants. 
And uh, again, you're going to get a free copy of QBO for you to use. So um, if you have any clients that are utilizing QBO currently, I strongly encourage you to sign up for this program uh, because it's going to give you a whole bunch of really kind of useful and effective uh, tools for managing those client files. But then also it gives you that free license that you can choose to use internally for yourself. So if you want to, for example, utilize this for your firm's accounting records, or you want to just use it for your personal, you can go ahead and do so. Okay, so how is QBOA different than QBO? What I would tell you is that QBOA, think of it as like a licensing schema with respect to um, how you access and get your license for QBO. Okay, so you can get, um, you don't sign this up like every person doesn't necessarily sign up on their own. Uh, what ends up happening is that you sign up at the firm level and then you create users within the firm who can then ultimately access um, the QBOA of the actual firm itself. So like a partner signs up then you set up your different team members and you can assign client access to those different team members to be able to utilize and access that, uh, uh, that account. Uh, but I will tell you virtually all the functionality, the bank feeds, the invoicing, APAR, um, reporting all the same. The enhancing tools will allow you to get those enhanced uh, capabilities to be able to interact and engage with those client data uh, really, really well. Okay. Uh, some tools are there to speed up the accounting work, batch reclassification, reporting defaults, uh, and more. Okay. Now, with respect to QBOA, anybody can sign up. So bookkeepers, CPAs, tax professionals, there's no sort of like licensing verification. There's no, uh, nothing you really need to do, for example, to like prove that you should have access to this. Uh, it's not part of the ProAdvisor program either. So it's not like you need to be a ProAdvisor uh, to have that QBOA uh, thing. You just basically go uh, to Intuit's website and you Google QBOA and then you would sign up uh, from there. Okay. Now, I'm going to show you a couple of different things with respect to QBOA, but the, the biggest is going to be the uh, accountant's toolbox. And so just to kind of summarize what the accountant's toolbox does for you is that it gives you a, um, it gives you a whole set of uh, tools and features that make frankly using QBO bearable uh, when it comes to management of your client data. Uh, the accountant's toolbox, which is up in the toolbar, uh, it's broken into two sections. There's quick links, there's tools and they're accountant centric tools that, uh, again, kind of make managing and, and working with your client data faster, simpler, and easier. Okay. So, uh, with this, you know, you get the ability to quickly and access like the chart of accounts to do journal entries and more. You also get this thing, uh, called the, um, you also get this feature for batch reclassification, um, where you can immediately and quickly reclassify multiple transactions from one account to the other. So like if you've got a client, for example, that consistently and incorrectly puts things into the wrong account, you want to move everything from one account to another account. You don't have to do it line by line. You can go ahead and do them in mass, which is really nifty uh, because it'll save you a whole bunch of clicks that you just don't have to do repeatedly. You don't have to go into each individual transaction. Okay. And, um, there's also transactions, for example, uh, for writing off invoices. And there's also an option here called report uh, options, which I'll show you here in a moment, which allows you to kind of get into your defaults uh, related to it. And it's kind of like the, the equivalent of that CDR inside of QuickBooks desktop for that client data review. Okay. A couple other things in the accountant's toolbox that are useful to point out. As I mentioned, you can map your clients into QBO. 
so if you happen to have multiple clients that are utilizing QBO and that's the system that you want to use, well, with QBOA, with your subscription, you can access their books and records whenever you need to. So you don't have to ask for them to send you a transfer file. You don't have to set up remote access. You basically can just like immediately access their books and records whenever you might want. <clears throat> Up in the uh, toolbar, you'll see a thing that says like the name of your firm or the name of the client. And then you can just easily kind of drop down in that menu and select the client that you'd like, and it'll take you directly over to that client file. And then you also have this option back to practice, which will take you back to your, to your firm file as well. So as I mentioned, there are quick links. Um, this is how you're going to access things like the chart of accounts, reconciliation reports. These links exist all throughout the application. It's not like they're just some magic version of like the chart of accounts or um, voiding and deleting transaction or closing books. All you have to really do is just, you know, click that and it'll take you where, where you're supposed to go. Okay. Uh, however, the tool I want to feature here with respect that's similar to the CDR is the reporting options. And this is where you can go ahead and set the reporting options for all the reporting that you'll do for that period of time. Um, you could set, for example, the default options, including the reporting period, the accounting basis. It'll show you if, whether or not the books have been closed and also show you the reconciliation status of those, of those different accounts. So let me go ahead and show you quickly where to sign up for QBOA. And then let me show you the accountant's toolbox. So you can get a sense of, of how to sign up for this. Alrighty. So we're here on Intuit's website, basically just go to, and the easiest way I personally have found to found this is just to Google it, QBOA into it. It's going to take you to a page that looks like here. Okay. And you can read a little bit more about the actual program itself. All you have to do is click this button that says sign up for free. It's going to go ahead and take you to a screen. You provide a username, a first name, last name, and a password, and you're done. Okay. Um, that's it. There's no credit card required. There's no nothing. You just sign up and that's all you have to do. And whether you use the program once, whether you use the program solely just to work with your clients that are on QBO, whether you use it like I do, where it's actually my personal accounting system for my personal holding company, my personal life, my you know day-to-day -day business. I use this a lot. I won't cost you a penny. And you get the free version of uh, QuickBooks Online Advance, which is like, uh, I think it's like 200 bucks a month. So, I mean, it's like over $2,000 worth of software if you just sign up for this for free. Okay, and that's all you have to do. Now, when you're in um, QuickBooks Online Accountant, the actual look and feel of the application looks very, very similar to standard QBO. Uh, on the left-hand side here in your menu, you've got your practice, your books, Okay, when it comes to your books, this is your version of QBO. And so this is going to be where you would go and, for example, write your invoices, set up your uh, uh, your bank accounts. Okay, you could set up all that stuff directly in here. Your practice is going to be where you would go and manage your clients. So if you had Acme Brick Company that was leveraging and utilizing um, QBO, you know, in one click, I can be inside of Acme's books and records. Okay. Now you can also access that sample file once you're in QBOA by coming up to the gear and then selecting sample company. And then it'll bring you back into Craig's landscaping design, but now you're using the accountant's edition. Okay, so what I want you to know here is this accountant's tools or the accountant's toolbox. And this is where you're gonna be able to see the um, special tools that are intended for financial professionals. Now, some of these tools are not available to clients in most versions of uh, QBO. Uh, so for example, most people are running plus or essentials or simple start. Um, 
they don't, for example, get the access to reclassify and do batch reclassification of transactions. They don't get that ability. If you're running the advanced, the highest end of this version, though, you can. Okay. So the QuickBooks Online Advanced essentially is like, you know, the closest thing you're going to get to the enterprise version of QuickBooks Desktop. Uh, it includes all the features and functions, even the stuff that's accountant centric. Now, the closest thing to the client data review options, if we come over here to our accountants tools, we can select this option here that will say report options. And this is going to give us a, a view kind of like what you would see at the end of the period uh, where we can see, for example, our um, default options for reporting, okay, whether or not the books are closed and then the reconciliation status of all of our different accounts. Okay. Where it doesn't have compared to its uh, enterprise or desktop version is like for the ability to export this information into a PDF, the ability to take notes, you know, that stuff is not going to be present here. But if you come into your reporting tools, this is where you can say, you know what, for every report that I'm going to run for this particular session, at, let's say it's uh, January 10th and I'm doing and, and you know my year consolidation, I can say just run this on last year. I can set the basis to cash as an example. Okay, and uh, when I go now to go and run a report, this is supposed to be set to, in this case, last year. And again, this might be because it's a sample file and not a real client uh, client file. But what it's supposed to do is set this to last year and would set this uh, basis to cash. That's what it's supposed to do. And so you don't have to set these every single time you go into a report, you know, like the balance sheet or whatever. It's supposed to preset all of those options uh, for you, and it'll keep those in play. Okay. So that's kind of the closest thing that they've got to that client data review here. So to finish out and round out this section here on our quick wins, uh, the last thing that I've got listed here that is kind of useful for you to know, and you can use this just as a template. And it's mostly just to make you aware that this is an option. If you go into the book, uh, we've got a whole section on end of year or end of period procedures. And with these end of period procedures, what we've got is just some examples of things that you might want to run through as you're working with QuickBooks an example of a checklist that you might want to uh, to consider. So, you know, prepare the journal entries, you know, to allocate revenue to partners, so on and so forth. This is to give you some ideas of things that you might want to do with that QuickBooks file. Um, again, at the end of that particular period as kind of a maintenance or, or accounting procedures that you might want. Here, where we're going to go ahead and discuss uh, what's new with QuickBooks in the recent versions. You know, what's new in QuickBooks, that's a super relative term. Um, you know, it, I mean, it just depends on when you've been using it. When it comes to QuickBooks Desktop and QuickBooks Enterprise, I mean, a lot of people don't upgrade every year. They upgrade every couple of years. Um, what I would tell you is that in a lot of ways, that's really uh, probably one of the biggest changes is the fact that uh, Intuit has implemented in some different um procedures with respect to how they price the application. That's probably one of the biggest things that I want to specify with y'all. The biggest change that I see as it relates to the um, desktop and enterprise environment, enterprise was already being licensed on a, on a, a subscription basis, but now with QuickBooks desktop, you're not getting, you've now gone away from perpetual licenses where you can just, for example, buy 2022 and then use it for five years, then upgrade, you know, to 2027 when you so uh, desire. Uh, Intuit's made some pretty, uh, significant changes with respect to how and, and where uh, the licensing takes place. And now every Intuit product uh, does require uh, its own licensing plan. So that's a little bit frustrating. I've, I've personally not a big fan of that. 
that was always kind of one of the major distinguishing characteristics in my mind as it relates to why you would choose desktop over online. Online obviously is a perpetu is a uh, subscription based product, um, but now you know it is um, every product that Intuit makes is is going to require some sort of subscription. Um, the desktop products range in price, okay, depending on what you're looking for. So let's go take a look at that. And then we'll take a look at the online version as well. Okay, here is your uh, your subscription pricing for the desktop products. You've got Pro, Premiere, and then Enterprise. Uh, you can see they're pretty significant jumps between the Premiere and the Enterprise version of this. And it also is going to depend on the number of users. Uh, and there are a lot more... I could say they're a lot more um, stringent on how the users are used in these newer versions of QuickBooks than they were in the past. It used to be that you could get, you know, one one license and share it amongst four or five different people. Uh, it's a lot more difficult to be able to do that now. And so, you know, the price goes up correspondingly depending on the number of users uh, that you're needing. Okay, so let's say we're going to do a single user here. All right, Pro is going to be 350, Premiere is going to be uh, 550, and then the Enterprise going up to 1206. So you can kind of see some of the differences between these. Um, you know, and I will point out like at that subscription level price, you know, it doesn't make sense, for example, not to upgrade because you're going to be paying for it no matter what. There's no way to, for example, just like be done. You have to, you know, keep paying for it. So you could stay on 2022 and not choose to upgrade to 2023, but you're, you're, you're leaving functionality on the table. Okay. Big reason why people go from one to the other. A big one is that multi-user access, you know, with the enterprise going up to 40 accounts, um, the number of reports again, most of us are using the standard stuff, PNL, um, you know, balance sheets, so on and so forth. Enterprise does offer more reporting than the others will do, but for the most part, they're all relatively the same. Uh, the inventory is a big difference though, between the enterprise and the premier version. Uh, the enterprise gives you the advanced inventory. It's got different inventory valuation and more complexity around things like, uh, you know, how inventory can be assembled, kits, things of this nature, okay? That's that's pretty much it. In terms of number of transactions, how big the chart of accounts can be, they're relatively all the same. And so you can see here, that's probably the biggest change as it relates to uh, QBD uh, is the fact that everything now is gonna be that subscription-based pricing. And you can see over here, they are super pushing QBO. Uh, and QBO is definitely the thing that they are encouraging people to purchase. Um, I don't want to alarm anybody and this is just conjecture. This is just my opinion. Uh, but I will, I will say that I've seen this type of approach occur with businesses that have legacy products. And by all means, QuickBooks desktop is a legacy product. Uh, when you've got a new flashy thing like QBO, you know, eventually they're going to start pushing you to the point that you're not going to have an option. And uh, that time has not come here at this exact moment, but I would tell you that um, there could come a time within the next decade that QBD will no longer be an option, that your only option will be to utilize QBO. And I can tell you, again, from the insider knowledge I have and the reports and everything that I read, I mean, and you can just see it in the application itself. I mean, where do you think they're putting in their money? Do you think they're putting in their money into QBO development or do you think they're putting it into QuickBooks desktop development? They're putting it into the desktop, or they're putting it into the online version. So uh, while it's not a preferred option for everybody at the moment, you should be preparing yourself that that could happen at some point in time. And you should be reasonably prepared. Uh, I think you'll have years of notice. I think you'll you'll find out and it'll be something like two years in the future 
But I do think that is something that reasonably could happen in the next couple of years. Okay. Let's go ahead and take a quick look with respect to the uh, QuickBooks Online pricing. Okay, with QuickBooks Online, there are five editions of the application itself. There is the self-employed all the way up to the advanced. Uh, these here are standard retail prices. Uh, so it ranges anywhere from about 15 bucks per month up to $180 per month. And reasonably, uh, when it comes to the actual um, versions of this, uh, in my mind, there's really only two options. There's plus and advanced. Uh, the essentials is reasonably okay. I mean, but it's so limited with respect to what you can do. Uh, and any reasonable business is probably going to need to use the plus. The plus is the most equivalent as it relates to QuickBooks desktop um, that you'll find online. And I would say the advanced is going to be the most um, closest approximation to the enterprise product. But most folks will be either the online, uh, in the online edition, will be using either the plus or the advanced. And so this is going to come in at about 80, 180 per month. I can tell you when I first got started with plus, this was about $40 per month. And it's more than doubled in that time period. The advance is a relatively new product and it's expensive. You know, here are some comparisons between these, uh, in terms of who it's designed for and also, uh, what, you know, some of the critical features that you should know with respect to the different applications are. Again, plus is going to be your most standard businesses here. Advanced is going to offer more features. Um, okay, so some of the big differences between these two, uh, beyond just like kind of the 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 ones bigger and ones smaller. Okay, with the plus, you're limited to four simultaneous users. Advanced, twenty five users, and then you can also set up users with more complex user rights. Okay, they both offer the same number of reports. The advanced can have up to three external accounting firms, three QBOA accounts mapped to it, plus is two. Okay, the other thing that they limited you on here is going to be on the number of accounts and classes and locations. Uh, all the lower tier products, and this is usually the big reason why people upgrade from plus to advanced, is that your chart of accounts cannot exceed 250. So if you have a lot of complexity in your accounting system and you want to have accounts set up maybe per product, per company, per location... Well, you're going to be limited to 40 combined classes and locations in plus and 250 accounts in your chart of accounts with the advance it's going to be unlimited and you can have as many uh, people in there as you need to be. Okay. So that's some of the big differences between them. I'll also point out too, that uh, there are also um, discounts that are available from the uh, firm to the uh, client if the firm licenses the product on behalf of the client. Um, I'm going to say it is always in the client's best interest to let the accounting firm set up and subscribe the client to QBOA rather than have the client just go and set it up and just subscribe and license it directly. The big reason is, is if that the client acquires their license directly through the accounting firm and the accounting firm sets it up, you're going to get a 30% discount on the um, pricing of that solution compared to the retail pricing. Okay. So I've got the major versions of this listed here. Okay. So, um, you know, looking at, for example, the, um, the standard price of advanced, I said it was 180. Well, it's 126. The ad plus version is 80 bucks. It's 56. This reduction, that 30% discount is a permanent reduction in the cost of the application. So again, this is why I, I recommend 
um, that the client um, license the product directly through uh, through the firm. Now, the good news is, is that the firm has two options, uh, actually three options. The, the firm can um, pass the discount directly onto the client and let the client pay for it themselves. They can pay for the application and build a client separately, or they can revenue share for the first year with Intuit. Uh, and this is a little bit difficult to understand. I'm going to do my best to try to explain this, but this ultimately comes down to how you choose to license the application. And I'm going to point out this is only for uh, new subscriptions. This does not, like if you have a client that's already utilizing QBOA and you're like, oh, if I sign up for this uh, QBOA thing, I can get my clients a discount. No, it only applies to new subscriptions. So um, it would have to be a new business of some sort, or a new client of some sort in order to be able to get that kind of... Uh, break to the actual individual itself. So when you go to set up a client inside of uh, QBOA, um, when you go to set this up, you have three options. Um, you could set this up where QBO, Intuit bills the firm directly, okay? So like Intuit basically sends you a bill once a month for X number of client licenses, and that's just what it is. Um, you can optionally set it up where Intuit bills the client directly. So if you're not in the business of selling software, and I personally am not, you know, for, for accounting software, that matter, um, you could basically just set this up and just let Intuit build a client directly. They'll still get that 30% discount and you don't have to pay for it. Optionally, though, what a lot of firms are moving towards is what we call CAS, Client, client Accounting as a Service. And uh, you bill your client, let's say 300 bucks per month, and you absorb the Intuit licensing, you get a nice discount on it, the client gets their application, and it's a great way maybe for you to either absorb the cost and make it a better benefit to the client, you know, and be able to show additional value to the client. Um, or you can just choose to bill them directly. It's really kind of up to you in terms of, uh, in terms of what you choose to do. Okay. And the third option, you know, this is a relatively new option. This is the revenue share option with respect to Intuit. And Intuit will basically pay you a commission for the for the licenses of, of QBO that you sell, and they'll give you a cut, you know, in the first thirty percent or thirty percent for the first year of service. Frankly, um, this the client this is not a good option for the client because the client is going to end up paying the full retail price eventually. So I would tell you it's always better off, you know, and this is just again in the best interest of them. Uh, I personally would tell you, let the accountant set up the QBO subscription for the client, and then let the client pay for it directly. Just go to that direct bill. Now, I'm not going to go through this, um, but there's also payroll options and with respect to QBOA that you can go through this. There's preferential payment options here, uh, and I've got those listed as well. Thank you so much for attending our presentation and podcast for today. As a reminder, you can check out cpetoday.com for all your continuing education needs. We have courses on every topic you can think of from accounting to audit to ethics and regulation and more. Everything you need to know to stay relevant, current, and up to date with the profession. Again, check out cpetoday.com. If you're a new watcher or listener to the CPE Today podcast, again, we offer you a free course and a free credit for you to try our services. Pick the podcast of your choosing and use coupon code ONEFREEPODCAST at checkout to make that purchase free. If you enjoyed our presentation, please consider connecting with us on social media and let us know what you think. You can find us just about everywhere at CPE Today, uh, whether you're on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and more. And please consider subscribing to us wherever you happen to receive your content. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and others. 
We'd love for you to leave a review and let us know what you think. It helps new listeners and watchers find our course and content. Thank you so much for your time and attention. Thank you for being in the office, and we look forward to seeing you back here soon. Take care.